Right, listeners, welcome back to 80s High, where you make a dash through the 80s cultural garden to grab that gem and get grabbed by a giant gorg and thrown down the well into the greatest movies, television, pop culture, games of the 80s. We're your hosts. I'm Ben. The tree of sheep has spoken. <laughs> Are you the trash sheep? And I'm Chris. Yeah. And this is 80s High. Great to see you. Great to hear from you again. How's it going, buddy? It's good. It feels a little quiet. It's just you and me again. We had a great slate of oh, co-hosts yeah. to round out the last three episodes. And uh, I got to tell you, great time with them. But it's kind of nice just to be back to the uh, dynamic duo for this episode. Na, 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 ben and Chris. Um, you know, and it, it gives me pause. Ben and Chris. Ben and Chris. <laughs> oh, I think it went down. Okay, Chris, good. Chris, that one. Oh, wait. That was good. Oh, yeah. I went to Mission Impossible. Went to Mission Impossible. It's good. I, uh, you know, and it gave me pause because, you know, I, I think you and I have given a lot of heart, a lot of thought to this show. We've made a lot of, uh, a lot of episodes, the two of us. But over the course of October, I got way too many emails and texts about those episodes from people saying, that was your best one yet. You know, the one where someone else talked way more than the two of you. And I was like, oh, oh man, what are we doing wrong here? Uh-oh. We need to get worse guests. That's what we have to right, do. Right. We have we to get to... duds so people are like, man, I wish it was just you and Chris again. That's what we need. No, they crushed it. But all of them brought such a flavor of like a passion and a yeah. knowledge for their topics that, uh, you know, I think I think it elevated the show for a little bit. It was a nice Maybe little Maybe that's what we too. need, Ben. Passion and knowledge. If only we had only both we of those had things. Or one, maybe people would like to hear just us. Welcome to 80s High, the show that revisits the pop culture of the 80s sans passion, sans knowledge. <laughs> We're your hosts. We know nothing. I, we care about nothing. I think some stuff happened. Eh, whatever. Eh, whatever. And so, this has been 80s High. <laughs> God, that would be good. There's something a bit changing. We're going to tweak something up here for season two. Tell our listeners what they've won. You've won fewer episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, decided to keep the show sustainable because we really like doing it. But, you know, we've both got a lot of things going on. We're going to have to scale back the release schedule moving forward for the foreseeable future. We're going to go down to every other week release of the episodes. We want to make sure that we still are super excited about it, that we have enough time to invest in researching, enjoying the property, and then recording and editing and bringing it to you. And we need to do that in a sustainable way. So we're going to switch it up now. So this one will come out the second week of November, and then we'll skip a week and so forth. And uh, it's a little sad that we won't be releasing as much. But uh, like I said, I think for our physical and mental well-being, this is the right choice to make. I think you're totally right. And if the joke of sustaining passion and knowledge were actually true, two weeks gives us time to really delve in and research and do that knowledge. And two weeks also gives us the passion that we don't get burnt out on this project and it becomes work. Who wants work? This is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun. With that being said, we got to dig in deep underground and go back to the history of the early 80s to learn about this week's topic fraggle rock we do but first i need to find out if a garlic radish pie 
is on the lunch menu today? Garlic mm. So many questions. But yes. Waddishes. Waddishes. Let's find out. Attention 80s high. I'm Dana Barrett, here to share today's homeroom announcements. Listen, all you cool cats. If you want the secret to the fountain of youth, but want to avoid running through the jungle, visiting the likes of the Temple of Doom, and dodging bullets from dangerous competitors, then you should really follow 80s High podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. Not only will you be able to join the class of 80s High, but you can also suggest show topics, send any corrections, take fun quizzes, and share other memories and opinions on the 80s, which we'll read on the show. You can always reach out to the show at 80shighpodcast at gmail.com with questions, comments, and corrections. That's 80s. Today's lunch menu will be sloppy joe on a roll, whole kernel corn, pickles, and my favorite, jello for dessert. Don't forget, after school today is a Sadie Hawkins dance. The photography club has graciously volunteered to take some glamour shots for those that signed up before the dance starts. Don't forget to bring your jazz hands and your dancing shoes. Thank you and have a gnarly day. Go Mogawais! So hungry, stomach is grumbling, can't decide if I want pure form radishes or if I need the fine crystallized structured radishes, but let's dig deep underground and go back to where it all began with Fraggle Rock. I'm going through the hole in the wall of Doc's shop. I'll see you down there. (laughs) Ah, Sprocket! (laughs) I have the most wonderful invention, Sprocket! That was a pretty good impression, actually. I like that. So we're in history class, and we're here to find out where Fraggle Rock came from and how it became one of the most beloved childhood television shows Mm. of the 80s. And I said, when I picked this topic, I needed a palate cleanser from Slashers. And let me tell you, palate (laughs) cleansed. So let's get into it. What was Fraggle Rock? Mm. Fraggle Rock was a puppet-based television show created by Jim Henson Productions and Henson International Television, which ran for- There's no puppets in that show. (laughs) No puppets. They're real. And that show ran for five seasons on, of all places, do you know what channel it ran on? Oh, I do know, and I'll let you know in chemistry class how I know, but it's HBO. HBO. Home box office. Shocking. Between January 10th, 1983 and March 10th, 1987, the show largely followed the adventures of five cave-dwelling fraggles, similar but even more fantastical than gigantic and frightening gorgs above Mm. ground. Fraggles! Fraggles! And, quote-unquote, the silly creatures, also known as Ben and Chris. Yes. Also known as humans. Yes. Which (laughs) inhabited, to the fraggles' perspective, outer space, which was just the real world. Through these interactions, the Fraggles explored complex life lessons that they themselves might not fully understand or realize they're learning, Mm. which helped lay a foundation of morals and values for children in the 80s. You forgot one very important group in that whole mix. Oh, I did. You forgot the Doozers. The Doozers, right. Oh, my gosh. A tiny, delightful, uh, very focused, serious, usually, industrious little architects and engineers. Yeah. 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 So where did all this come from? You may have heard Jim Henson, and when you hear that name, you might think of just The Muppet Show or Muppets. Yeah. But Henson was a wildly energetic, always needed to be busy, three or four projects going on at a time creative, oftentimes things that had nothing to do with puppets, experimental films, poetry, music, all over the place. Some people are type A. He's like type A+. plus. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So the Muppet Show, which many of us have heard of and remember fondly, ended in March of 1981. And Jim Henson goes to some of his writers, Jerry Jewell and Jocelyn Stevenson, and conceptual designer Michael Frith to 
quote, create a show for kids that will save the world. I love the ambition of this. Can you imagine love it. in your job if your boss came to you and they're like, Chris, I need something by Q4 that will save the world. No pressure. I mean, the mission statement of 80s High Podcast is to save the world. <laughs> so save. I get it. I mean, we talked about Michael Jackson last time. He aimed for being the best, right? And so I love that we are covering these people, these creators who are like, we're not shooting for the middle here. We're going rocket ships to outer space. I love it. Absolutely. So what's kind of cool is Jim then invites his team to his home in London to start writing Fraggle Rock, which is kind of cool. Like not just go to the office or like, hey, do it on your own. Like come to my sweet pad in London and get to work. Just to your point of rocket ship to the moon, he looks at his success with the Muppet Show and he goes, you know, I've, I've built a business infrastructure here. I'm connected to people all over the world. And maybe I start there. Instead of the Muppet Show, which was an American show that was then sort of built for different audiences around the world. What if I start with a show that's built for the world right. and then kind of work backwards? That's where he starts. This is kind of the interesting thing that took me a while in the research to realize until I finally dug in it. After he gets his writers running and kind of helps them write the initial pitch for HBO and everything, Jim's not really that involved. Oh. Because he's working on a crazy movie on the side. What crazy Jim Henson movie was being worked on in the early 80s? Is he working on one of the Muppet movies? Imagine if Muppets did all the drugs, fell into (sighs) a blender with Tolkien... And fell out on the other end. Oh, wait. Is he doing Labyrinth? Jim is deep in his obsessed project, The Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal? I don't even know if I know that one. It is a wild fantasy puppet movie. Uh, They tried to bring it back as a Netflix series a couple of years ago. Actually, I think it was like um, one of the sons of the original puppeteers took it over. Hmm. But it is some thick, thick fantasy. And it is dark. And it is adult. It's intense. Interesting. So he's he, that's his real passion project is the Dark Crystal. His passion project, Save the World. You guys go figure that out. I'm going to go work on Dark Crystal with Frank Oz. So basically he sticks around just long enough to press the button, we're a go, and then he's out the door. Exactly. So huh. the writers are like in his house. Hey, where's Jim? I don't know. They're working with B.P. Nickel, who's another like avant-garde poet who's really interesting. And I like, I think you see a lot of the poetry that comes into the writing of Fraggle you Rock. sure do. It's beautiful. And so what I love is, uh, I forget where it's being housed now, but there's a binder all the writers are developing that's called What We Know About Fraggles. Hmm. And so before they're writing episodes, they're just sort of writing like they are discoverers and archaeologists uncovering the Fraggles and just writing things about their culture that they're observing. And the original working name, did you catch in your research the working title for Fraggle Rock? Oh, I sure did. What was that? Well, I I saw two things. Originally, they were going to call them... Woozles? Is right. that right? <laughs> right? Woozles, yeah. And then they finally settled on Fraggle, but I think the show is going to be called Fraggle Hill. Fraggle Hill. Yeah, you got it. I think we really liked that with Fraggle Rock. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Woozle Hill? Woozle, Woozle Hill. Rock? No. No. Terrible. Because they lived in a rock. It wasn't really on a hill. It was underground in a cave. And the doozers were going to be called Wizzles. I don't know about you. I'm not going to any Wizzle Rock. No. Not going to happen. So Jim is always hopping back and forth between Dark Crystal production, where he spends most of his time, and some of these business dealings and calls for Fraggle Rock. So he zips in for this HBO pitch, which Mm. he even boils down more of Save the World to, quote, this is a show for kids that would end war. Wow. Fraggle Rock was intended to end all wars. 
Forget all we are saying is give peace a chance. Right! HBO swallows it hook, line, and sinker and ordered the series on the spot, which is the first TV series HBO ever bought. Now, see, this blew my mind. When you think about some of those landmark HBO shows, like original series, I don't know that I would ever have thought Fraggle Rock. Like you think of Sopranos, you think of Sex in the City, you know, those types of shows. But this was the OG and way, way, way before those were even conceived of. Oh, yeah. And at the time, you know, it was kind of a mutual gamble because they were like, you know, Puppet Show, HBO, is this the right branding fit? But also at the time, HBO had fewer than 10 million subscribers. It was still kind of new, still trying to get people involved and interested. Whereas like Sesame Street and The Muppet Show, everybody could find that stuff. But not everybody had HBO, the subscription service. So it was kind of a dual gamble. Yeah, for sure. Well, like I mentioned, he wanted to start with as an international production. So in the States, we had HBO working on it here. But they also collaborated with uh, the United Kingdom's Television South and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation to get Mm. the show out in those areas as well. This is one of my favorite parts of the history of Fraggle Rock, which was really cool. The core show, the puppets, the Fraggles, the Doozers, the Gorgs, that was all shot on the Toronto Soundstage. Mm -hmm. But then all the other countries who got on board had the option to film their own, the rap, what they call the wraparound segments, the human right. segments around it. And some of those you see, like if you remember from the American Fraggle Rock or forever you're listening, you know, you've got Doc, the inventor, yep. Sprocket the dog. They live in this inventor workshop that has a hole in the wall that leads to Fraggle Rock. And there's some, you know, some interactions, but there's also interspersed lessons about the human world. Right. Well, this is what blew my mind because not every country took that story. That story was in the United States, Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, the Republic of Ireland, Scandinavia, Spain, Japan, and Eastern Europe. Hmm. Did you run across any of the other interesting wraparound human worlds? I did because I, in my research, found that there was this other version and I was like, I want to go see if I can find one on YouTube. And I did. So I watched just the human segments mostly of a UK version. Yeah, right. Where it's this guy... Who lives, I think, in a lighthouse. I don't know if he's a lighthouse keeper. He's a lighthouse keeper. But Sprocket's still there. And he's still, you know, Gobo still comes to get the mail and comes in. But it's like a different shot. And the old man kind of has a, what I like to call a Mr. Doubtfire type of accent. (laughs) He sounded like Mr. Doubtfire. Yeah. Oh, my God. Totally. Yeah. But anyway, I was really surprised by that. But you're right. Once you go back down into Fraggle Rock, into the other areas, it's all the same show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The lighthouse apparently is quite iconic in the UK. It's St. Anthony's Lighthouse located near Falmouth in Cornwall. Okay. There's a German version, which is almost pretty much the exact same. They just shot it from scratch in German, but it's still Doc, Sprocket, Inventor, Wall. Okay. But one of my favorites. So as a sailor, I love the UK version. But did you read about the French version? Was it a baker? We oui, très magnifique. Oui. <laughs> he's also named Doc, but he's a he's a French baker, and his dog instead of Sprocket is Croquette. Cro- <laughs> uh, and this Doc inherited the home from his eccentric uncle Georges, which I thought was a nice callback to it. Oh yeah, yeah. So kind of what would happen is this this baker Doc would find these random old inventions from his. Uh, the family member who passed it on down was a big part of like, and like, what does this crazy thing do? And didn't Baker Doc, didn't he take all those inventions and start Pampered Chef? <laughs> right, and <exactly>. then started- <laughs> That was the whole adult spinoff. <laughs> so good. I really want to watch French the French Fraggle ones. Rock. French <laughs> Fraggle Rock. So obviously, 
music plays a huge role in Fraggle Rock. Every yeah. single episode featured two or three original songs. There were 96 episodes. That's incredible. 96 episodes. Yeah. 96 times three. Math whizzes, do it real fast. Not while you're driving. Don't get an accident. But wow, it's really impressive. And some of them are pretty catchy. They're co-written by Canadian poet Dennis Lee and Philip Balsam. Is this the avant-garde poet mentioned earlier? Different poet. A lot of poets. I love it. Okay. Several episodes even focus solely on music, such as Red Fraggle's attempt to find, quote-unquote, her song for the Fraggle medley, or Mm -hmm. the effect of music on the breaking of winter or the presence of light in Fraggle Rock. Actually, just before we recorded, I finished watching an episode about the pipe bangers. Oh my god, I want to talk about that one. Okay, good. We'll get into it in chemistry, but that's also a very musical episode, too, about the pipe bangers. So good. Oh, we're going to talk about the pipe bangers. So in the context of the show's internal history, like if we're in the Fraggle lore, the theme song was written by the great and wondrous ancient Fraggle named Blundig, as revealed in an episode, Moki Then and Now. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense, right? They're singing it at the beginning and the end of every show. Didn't know that, though. You and I in the production of 80s High talk a lot about airwave perfection and just Mm. editing down, getting it just right, how long to make every class, which jokes land, which don't. How many different Fraggle Rock theme songs do you think were written that Henson was picking and choosing between? I mean, he's type A+, so let's see... Let's look at the X Factor. Three, the one. Chris has pulled up an abacus on. Yeah, let me the zoom. Let's move these beads over. There's a whiteboard here. now. All right. Oh, TI 83. I haven't seen one of those in a while. Cool. Yeah, hold on. Let me get this protractor out. I think that's okay. Pokemon on your TI 83, though. Are you even mad right now? Oh, I'm writing dirty words upside down. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> the answer is 20. That is incredibly close. Is it? So, songwriter Balsam noted that it was 17 different themes were not only written, but performed and recorded. Like, are they radically different or just little tweaks on the same thing? So I could only find details on one. Okay. Which said that it was mostly scatting instead of lyrics. I mean, that's the end of the episode, right? Yeah. Where they're kind of in a bop, bop, deep, deep, Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. We almost got that as the main theme. There was a funeral dirge version. (laughs) I did actually find in my research that... They felt it just didn't work. It kind of like brought the, the, the Empire <laughs> brought March the from Star Wars. <laughs> Fraggle Rock, Fraggle Rock, Fraggle Rock. Yeah, it was a little dark. <laughs> a little dark, a little dark. Also baked into Fraggle Rock, which I think is really important, is a... a th- radishes. So many radishes. <laughs> um, no, oh, not literally baked. Okay, sorry. Is this thick layer of morals and values that yeah. come through in the writing all the time and come through all the characters. Again, this show was founded with the goal of ending war and yeah. creating world peace. So you've got to put some writing in there that that hits to that. Take that, Tolstoy. <laughs> exactly. So on the surface, Henson was quoted trying to describe Fraggle Rock as, quote, a high-energy, raucous musical romp. It's a lot of silliness. It's wonderful. And it's depicted in a colorful and fun world. Here's what's so neat. So that's that's like the bright surface-level elevator pitch on Fraggle right. Rock. But the minute you start to dig underground, as some might say, dig down into Fraggle Rock, it's this relatively complex system of uh, what I found symbiotic relationships yeah, between absolutely. these different races of creatures. Total allegory to the real world, where each group was, you know, I found it kind of written in one spot, unaware 
of just how interconnected they were with the other groups, how important, how much they really relied on each other. Absolutely. I think symbiotic is the best way to put it. They're very dependent on one another. And sometimes they see the connections and they still kind of forget it in like later episodes. They actually, in some ways, they depend on each other for survival. You know, the Gorgs are growing radishes. And if they didn't grow radishes, the Fraggles would have nothing to harvest. Doozers would have nothing to build with. Fraggles would have nothing to eat. Everybody dies. And their water system is very interconnected, right? Oh, right. right? Exactly. The water that the Fraggles use is the water that's pumped from the well that the Gorgs use. And also that same water connects to the pipes. We're talking about the pipe bangers. that connects to Doc's workshop. And then ultimately, the Doozers use the water for hydroelectricity to power all their machines. Exactly. And so in a lot of these episodes, that's some of the conflict is that they are relying on each other but don't realize it because of their differences in culture and even their biology – it makes it hard for them to communicate to one another in like a healthy way, which is all, I think, beautifully positioned to what's going on. Absolutely. So this allowed this to be such like an entertaining, cute, like wonderfully fun show. But at the same time, exploring complex issues of prejudice, spirituality, personal identity, the environment, and social conflict. Yeah. It's genius. So the show also like refused to kind of oversimplify any of these issues. Like they really kind of explored it almost at an adult conversation level. But they would really try and display the consequences of these actions and these inherent difficulties and like how one person, one group's decision and efforts affected everybody else in those relationships. Yeah, yeah. And kind of like you just said, not only the Gorgs or the Fraggles or the Doozers, they'll see the thing that's happening and it'll help. The show will help explain it to the audience what the lesson is. But the Fraggles or the Gorgs may forget that lesson by the next episode. Oh, they sure do. Which oh, again, they sure do. I think is kind of on parallel with what it was trying to make commentary on in the real world. You know, we, I think, often forget our connection with nature and with the environment that we live in. And I think it's very relevant for sure. Oh, yeah. And so if you look at Jim Henson's The Core of the Body of His Work, so many things that he's made throughout his career were about the ideals of friendship, being true to yourself, and learning to love those who are incredibly different than you. And Henson was quoted as saying that he considered Fraggle Rock to be one of the purest and most successful expressions of that vision. Here, here. And I just want to throw out there, I can't say that Fraggle Rock did achieve world peace or stopped war. <laughs> However, to that end, in 1989, which mm-hmm. was during what was called the Renewed Cold War, Fraggle mm-hmm. Rock became the very first mm-hmm. United States TV series to be broadcast in the Soviet Union. The same year that the Berlin Wall fell. I'm just saying. Ten months later. I'm not saying the Fraggles knocked the Berlin Wall down, but I'm also not not saying they did. Rewind ten episodes. We talk about Miracle on Ice. We talk about the 1980 <laughs> Olympics and how that kind of was a turning point. Obviously, Chernobyl was a big turning point. <laughs> If I could go back and retcon, I would insert into my timeline Fraggle Rock (laughs) being aired in the Soviet Union, ushering in the end of the Cold War. I think we found it. I think that's got to be it. We keep finding connections in this show. Like, we're looking at an entire decade. We've covered 20-some topics, and we always find these amazing connections. So good. So now we need to get into the species of Fraggle Rock. So let's start at the top with the Fraggles. Uh, Uh, Fraggles are roughly two foot tall, colorful little creatures with fur-tipped tails. They generally live a carefree life, spending most of their time playing. Actually, one episode shows that they only have a 30-minute work week. 
I'm loving this Fraggle life. On board. Hashtag Fraggle life. That's going to be my new social media. Yeah, let's do it. Exploring and generally just enjoying themselves. They live mostly on radishes and doozer sticks, which are what doozers, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, They grind up radishes and they make basically construction beams out of like uh, radishes. I liken it to rock candy. Oh, perfect. Fraggles also have a unique ability to share dreams. If they touch their heads together before falling asleep, one can enter the dream of another Fraggle. Now, you did a voice at the top of this episode, and people are like, what is that? Who is that? What are they talking about? And it's a companion of Marjorie, the trash heap. The all-knowing, all-seeing oracle. Hello, boys. I am all-knowing. I am all-seeing. The trash heap has spoken. Philo and Gunge. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. So tell us, what is what is the trash heap? So the, the trash heap is this pile of compost, is what I would call it. It looks like leaves and garbage and trash. That is not only sentient, but the purveyor of wisdom. And often the Fraggles will go to the trash heap as this oracle to ask for advice. And similar to Jabba the Hutt, you know, the little guy, uh, Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb. To- <laughs> yeah, that guy. She has these two little minions who don't look too dissimilar from Salacious, Philo and Gunge. And they're, you'll see, you'll <laughs> So they kind of like usher the people in, the Fraggles in who come in for wisdom And then after she's saying her piece, she kind of collapses into herself. And they always end with what I've said multiple times already. The trash heap has spoken. Yeah. Puppeteer Michael Frith would love to hear you quote Marjorie so much. He originally developed Marjorie the Trash Heap for the 10th season of Sesame Street. And his passion about this puppet was that archaeologists always gather the most useful information about ancient civilizations by going through their trash. It's true. Whenever That's you, true. When you look yeah. at an archaeologist, they're digging through old trash pits and things like that. So we thought there was a lot of value, hence the wisdom and knowledge of Marjorie. That's a very great factoid I never yeah. put together. But Sesame Street said, no trashy. We don't like it. This is weird. So he kept it in his you back pocket and brought it out for Friday. Take Rock. your jerk snuffleupagus. Take your pretentious big bird. Just get out of here. Just, You're not ready for Marjorie. Just, you don't deserve Marjorie. Just get gone with you. Just get out of here. Now let's get down into probably one of your favorite parts of this whole thing. We've talked a lot about it. There are some very important Fraggle stars. Yes. However, it is amazing that they shine in this show because there are a lot of Fraggles in Fraggle Rock. Oh, yeah. I found an official figure. Do you okay. know how many Fraggles are supposed to be inhabiting Fraggle Rock? Are you talking about puppets or are you talking about in the lore of the lore. show? Lore of just mm. lore. Okay. Jim Henson, type A plus personality. 17 theme songs to test. World peace does not come cheap. Nope. Fun people like to have a good time. Fun people procreate because they're having such a good time. <laughs> I'm going to say there are 10,000 Fraggles. Okay, so you found the fact. <laughs> I was like, that's impossible. I made that up. I had Did no idea. Did you really idea. make that up? Is it 10,000? On the freaking nose. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. I did not see that. I swear. I think it really came down to your calculation of fun people. Ch- <laughs> fun people make more fun people because they reproduce. You know what? It's the abacus, folks. It's really the abacus. That, I, that amazing. Plus, I'm just 
tapping into Jim Henson's type A plus personality. We are in history class. Are you peeking over at my desk right now? Are you looking at hold my on, notes? Hold on. What is going on? I'm putting up a wall with my binder, the with my trapper knowing, keeper. The all seeing Chris the tree sheep. The tree, the tree. I mean, Trash Sheep was my nickname in high school, so I'm just telling you right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Let's get into the main fraggles of the show. So the leader of the group, Gobo. Gobo. In my own words, he's the Egon Spangler. He's the Kermit the Frog. He's the Leonardo Hmm. of them. He's the leader, right? I would say the bravest of them. He's the one who always goes up into outer space. Yes. He seems to be the one that's a little more fearless and leads a lot of the adventures. Exactly. Level-headed, pragmatic. He's a practical guy. What I love, and we're going to get to this, there's a lot of this all throughout Fraggle Rock. His name is an industry joke in production and film. Uh, Gobos are a shaped metal grill placed over a theater light to produce interesting shadows, like window shapes, leaves, etc. He's he's named after lighting equipment. Yeah. Which I think is great. Moki. Tell us about Moki. Moki is artistic. Moki is a little spacey. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loves to paint. She's the one that wears the like gray mm, shawl coat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very soft spoken, very kind, you know, but yeah, a little, little, little spacey. Exactly. Spiritual. She's quiet. She's very like uh, reflective and contemplative. And she's like a little taller than the rest of the fraggles. That yeah, stuck she out is. To me. That is true. Oof. I think you've got too many of these kind of people in your life. Tell us about Red. Oh, Red. Talk about type A+. Red is high energy. Red is... A little overbearing. She's, um, I don't know if high maintenance is the right word, but she's she's a friend that you're like, I love you, but you're hard to be a friend sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's also quite athletic. She's known as the best swimmer of the She finals. loves swimming. Girl loves to swim. And she's another lighting pun. So uh, a play on redhead, but red is another name for an 800 watt film light. Oh. She's also got the two big red pigtails coming out the top. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we were trying to remember this one right before we started recording. Tell us about Boober. So Boober, as far as I can tell, likes to do laundry and cook. So much sock washing. So much sock washing. A lot of sock washing. Boober is like, what's the right word? Cowardly is such a terrible word. Nihilistic? Oh, interesting. Okay. (laughs) Existential crises? uh, True. (laughs) I was also just going to say he's a little timid, but not the same kind of energy as a Wembley timid. Right. Yeah, Boober has sort of a calm depression almost. He's worrisome. He's he's usually pretty worried about what's going on. Yeah. He's superstitious. But he's always the one at the end of the theme song who's like, he's got his chin on his hands. He's like, down in Fraggle Rock. Down in like, Fraggle Rock. Right, exactly. Yeah, for sure. He also has no eyes. He's the only Fraggle oh, that's I can right. recall that has no eyes because of his hat. Now, it's time for our own little 80s high Easter egg. Mm. If you look at our cover art, hanging in the locker is a keychain. And on that keychain is Wembley Fraggle. Tell us about Wembley. Wembley is neurotic. He is frenetic. He is easily startled. (laughs) Yeah. But a loyal friend. Totally. A sweetheart, but just a little, like, stressed out. Exactly. Exactly. And and where, like, Boober and Wembley are kind of on the same spectrum of, like, optimism and pessimism, I feel like Mm. Wembley can muster up the courage when need be and, like, confront the thing. He's got the energy to do it. That's true. Now... One fraggle that's not featured as prominently, but is still one of the stars, is Uncle Traveling Matt. Which is also, I believe, a pun on it his is. name. That's true. Tell us. So a traveling mat is a reference to the traveling mat technique 
used with blue screen to give the impression a character is somewhere they are not. This this is what preceded green screen and is used throughout Fraggle Rock TV episodes. It's used quite a bit for perspective, right? Where they yes. want the Fraggles to seem small or big compared to some of the other creatures. So Traveling Matt starts off in Fraggle Rock. He's the one who looks the most human. Like he's got like white person color flesh and he's got like the beard and if any fraggle was to go assimilate into outer space i.e our world it would be matt he would be the most unassuming of fraggles to be out there because he's not purple with a giant tail i don't know even know if he has a tail because he wears like his little expedition he's got a little expedition indiana jones jacket kind of thing. yeah Yeah. a little, little outfit on but anyway matt's the one who I think in the first episode, decides he's going to leave Fraggle Rock. He's explored everywhere. He's bored. He wants to explore outer space. Gobo thinks he's crazy. But he's like, I'll send you postcards. And he goes off. And basically, we get one little scene in every episode where Gobo is reading a postcard from Uncle Traveling Matt. And usually, Matt is misinterpreting everyday stuff in regular human life. Like, he thinks that when people put umbrellas up, it causes it to rain. Oh, right. So like yeah. that's how rain is created. You put up the umbrella, but he's misunderstanding what the umbrella's function is. So yeah. it's usually those kinds of things where a kid would probably find pretty funny of like, oh, what, what's it like? Do you remember the book Amelia Bedelia? For sure. Of course. Yeah. I remember it would be like, she would be told to draw the curtains and she drew a picture of the curtains, but she misinterpreted draw meant to like close oh, the curtains. Oh, right. You know, she always took everything literally or like out of context. Yeah. And Matt seems to be that same kind of humor. Totally. And it's sort of, it's sort of the, well, these are all shot in the real world. Like this is out That's in right. public. And it's sort of like the educational break in the show where like kids learn about like seeing other kids, I don't know, get dressed to go out in the rain or like how kites work or that kind of thing. So, we've got our second of four species inhabiting Fraggle Rock, which are the Doozers. The Doozers. The Doozers live underground with the Fraggles. These are little, like, six-inch, pudgy, green, industrious little architects and construction workers. I would call them the yin to the Fraggles yang. Fair. If the Fraggles are all about fun and partying and letting loose and singing, the Doozers are about, like, work and development and, like, careers well, the theme song says it all. The Fraggles say, dance your cares away, worry for another day. And the refrain for the doozers, they say, work your cares away, dancing's for another day. Right. If that's not the yin-yang, I don't know what is. Exactly. And so, like I said, you know, the symbiotic relationship, Fraggles are gathering radishes from the Gorok's Garden. They bring them down. The doozers collect the radishes. They grind them up and they make these, as you said, rock candy. And they build these little structures all over. Think of it like a connects. If you had connects back in the Bay, very you know, much so. toys. bridges yeah. and towers, and the fraggles will eat the doozer sticks, right? As well, and the doozers don't care. Exactly. So that's what I want to get into. Is like in one of the very first episodes, Wembley is just chowing down on a bridge, and a doozer comes by, and he goes, "Architecture is meant to be enjoyed." Yeah, 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 yeah. And in one episode, Moki convinces everybody that this is wrong. We shouldn't eat all this hard work by the doozers. We've got to stop. And so they do. And so the doozers fill up the entire Fraggle cave with structures. And they run out of room. And the doozers basically say, hey, we have to leave. Yeah. Our existence is built on continuing to build. We're out of room. So we're leaving Fraggle Rock. At which point, uh, the doozers convince the Fraggles to eat everything they built so they can start over and stay in Fraggle Rock. Another one of those great examples of them not understanding the value of the relationship because they don't talk to each other, even though they live 
right next to each other. Exactly. It's, it's like, a, you know, an apartment complex in a busy New York or something. You just don't talk to your neighbors necessarily. Right. Third of four, the Gorgs. Ah. And I'm going to have a question in chemistry about Gorgs versus silly creatures for you. That is really <sighs> the key. Gorgs, the Gorgs. 22 f- tall, fat, fuzzy creatures. They live above the Fraggles in a make-believe garden. Ma and Pa consider themselves the king and queen of the universe, and their son, Junior, is the prince and heir apparent. Indeed. However, if you look at their home and you look at their garden, everything seems to suggest that they're basically just simple farmers in a garden patch. A little delusion of grandeur, perhaps. They're not royalties. Yeah. They kind of view fraggles like rabbits, because the fraggles are coming up, they're stealing the radishes, and they're going back down. So therefore, a lot of the episodes are built around the gorgs trying to exterminate the fraggles, or at least eliminate them from the garden. Right. And apparently the radishes are very important to the gorgs because they make anti-vanishing cream with it, and if they don't use it, they start to disappear? I'm going to tell you, the only thing more terrifying than a gorg is a headless gorg. And I watched that episode. Oh, yeah, because they start from head down, right? Yeah, it was kind of creepy. So here's what's kind of interesting, though. The gorgs are very complex puppets. They have two performers each in the costume, a puppeteer who does the voice and operates the face by radio controls, and the other who's, like, doing the body. Mm. Previously, full Muppet characters like Big Bird required the performer to operate the head with one hand, leaving that puppet with only one functional arm. Wow. So operating the face from outside allowed for a more expressive performance from the characters. And uh, there were actually video cameras installed inside the eyes so the performer can see from the Gorg's point of view. So every time you watch an episode of Fraggle Rock and you look into the Gorg's eyes, you're looking into cameras, which is creepy. That's like um, Five Nights at Freddy's creepy. Yes! You're yes! The, <laughs> the video <Yes>. game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Terrifying animatronic puppets. And bring it home, the last creature of four inhabiting Fraggle Rock, it's us! It's called the Silly Creatures, is what That's I think. Right. Did Traveling Matt coin that name? I felt like it was already in the lore of the universe, but okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did. That's a good point. I can't remember. Okay. And so you talked about it a little bit in the top, but like, who's the silly creature that the Fraggles encounter most often? In the US version, it's Doc. He's this old guy who's, I guess, kind of an inventor. And in the first episode, he moves into this workshop with his dog, Sprocket. His dog is a puppet dog. So cute. But I think in the show lore, it's not a puppet dog. Oh. Which the dog is not verbal, but is he like Scooby-Doo? It's a little Scooby-ish, yeah, for sure. But not as refined as Scooby, no, I think is no, a no, fair no, way no. to put it. Scooby's at the college, like the, the college ready level, AP level <laughs> English. Sprocket's uh, foundational. <laughs> yeah, so... They move in and he's setting up this workshop and he sees the hole in the wall, but he's like, oh, there's nothing back there. And that's, again, of course, the passage that goes back to the Fraggle Cave. Sprocket pretty quickly realizes there's creatures there, but even these two miscommunicate. There's a lot of foibles and antics between Doc and Sprocket, where Doc is thinking one thing. Sprocket, you can tell, is clearly put out by the ridiculousness of Doc. And he's just like, ugh. But obviously, they both really care for each other. And so that's that's the um, the overworld, the wraparound, the outer space segment. And the relationship between Sprocket, Doc, and the Fraggles is kind of where the whole series ends. And the 80s, if you're a kid in the 80s or 90s, you are not unfamiliar with tragic endings to mm. children's television shows. Like, one of my favorite, unsurprising television shows that was mostly 90s was Dinosaurs. Oh, and Dinosaurs yeah. ends with the Ice Age approaching at the end and the family huddled together getting ready to die in the Ice Age. My goodness. It is dark. 
Fraggle Rock doesn't end as darkly, but it's still kind of a bummer. Did you either watch the last episode or at least read about it? Oh, I sure did. I watched it. I made sure to watch the first and last. So how do we bring this Fraggle Rock to a close? Yeah, so at the end, Doc has to move to the desert with his, I call frenemy, sometimes friend, sometimes rival, Ned Schimmelfinney. Ned apparently has a medical condition where he needs to be in the desert. Yeah. And so Doc is going to move there with him to kind of help take care of him and make sure he's okay. And this is the one and only episode where Doc actually meets Gobo. Right. At some point, he's aware the creatures are there, but he never really meets a fraggle. So yeah, Doc and Sprocket have to move away. They have this meeting and then they're gone. But what they find in Fraggle Rock is a new tunnel. Mm. Uh, which goes to the new place where Doc and Sprocket live so they can still visit with them. And the whole idea is that everything is magic if you see it that way. No. So bittersweet, but definitely a great lesson to go out on. At least it's not we're all going to die in an impending ice age. I know. That's awful. So dark. So oh my dark. Goodness. But Doc even like sings the Fraggle Rock theme song with all of them at the end. It's, oh, that's true. It's yeah. so sweet. And you learn his name. Doc? Jerome Crystal. Jerome Crystal. Pleasure to meet you, silly creature. That's right. Now, of course, it just didn't stop with just Fraggle Rock, the TV show. Like anything, there's licensing, we have extensions, all that kind of thing. So you could find Fraggles elsewhere outside of television. Star Comics imprint of Marvel Comics published two separate Fraggle Rock comic book series in 85 and 88. There was one season of an animated series in 1987. One of my favorite movies to watch around the holidays, Muppet Family Christmas, December 16th, Mm -hmm. 1987, the Fraggles show up for the party. Then in the late 80s, Fraggle Rock, the great Fraggle travel race for play schools, talk and play. It was actually like a book you could buy for the talk and play. Okay. Magic Pen and Invisible Ink books for Lee Publications. There were two of those for Fraggles. Hmm. But probably I would venture saying the most iconic other Fraggle thing in the 80s was in 1988, a little burger joint named McDonald's, did their Happy Meal toys for the Fraggles. Oh, that's right. Which had all the Fraggles uh, basically in little vegetable cars driving yes. around. Oh my gosh. I know I had those at some point. Oh, I feel totally like forgot almost about every that. kid did. They were, I think, one of the most popular Happy Meal toys to ever exist. I mean, the little Transformer burger, fries, oh, milkshake. I mean, that's on top. That's number one. This is number two. I'd and then Hot Wheels two. are number three. Oh, okay. Hot Wheels were super good. They had a lot of great stuff back then. But as far as the 80s and Fraggle Rock, that is the gamut of history that I have run. What crumbs, what crystalline radish pieces did I leave on the floor of history class? There's a little radish dust down here for me to snort up. Uh, no. <laughs> it is the 80s. The only little piece that I also found was a way that this show was pitched in terms of the audience. The audience was referred to as mid-kid. Did you see this? Mid-kid? So the idea is like, not my words, mid-kid is somewhere between Sesame Street and Playboy. I am not making that up. I that read those feels like a big range. Words. It's like it's the kid who's a little outgrown of Sesame Street, but isn't quite a teenager or adult. But are on their yeah. path to Playboy. <laughs> You're on the Playboy. It's a countdown to Playboy is apparently with the whole case. Wow. But yeah. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting term, mid-kid. You know, uh, in modern times, at least in the book industry, you'd probably call this middle grade. There's a whole segment of books that are really geared toward like, I want to say it's like sixth to eighth grade. It's like its own segment before you get to YA young adult. 
There's yeah. middle grade. And I think that's mid-kid. I think this is that same group mid-kid. they were kind of aiming for. It's interesting. Anyway. Wow. I think we should explore this brand new crystal tunnel I just found. Look. And see if it leads us to chemistry class because we have a million more things to talk about. If you're a mid-kid, come along and we'll write a song on our way through this tunnel. <laughs> Going down the tunnel to chemistry class. I'm too big for Sesame Street, but I'm almost ready for Playboy. I felt like we both sounded like boy bands right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> like we're we're later in the 90s. We're too early. We're, we're too, too early. early. We're too early. Well, since we've had such a musical theme here, it's a great place to start. One of the things that stick with me the most about Fraggle Rock and what I loved as a kid is the theme song. Sure. If you don't remember... The words to this, what many around the world would call banger, Mm. is dance your cares away, clap, clap, worries for another day, let the music play, clap, clap, down at Fraggle Rock. You repeat that again. Uh, Then they name, the main characters name themselves. We're Gobo, Moki, Wembley, Boober, Red. That part's janky, I'm not going to lie. Doesn't fit in really well. But then it's just the refrain again. Dance your cares away, worries for another day, let the music play, down at Fraggle Rock. How do you, Chris, feel about this song? It's amazing. You can't not sing along to it. You can't not hum along to it. You can't not move along to it. You can't not clap along to it. If you don't do any of those things or all of those things, every time this song comes on, you, my dear listener, have no soul. (laughs) Look, I'm not always great with current pop culture, and this is even a little older than current pop culture, but there was a sort of like one of those like summer club kind of songs that came on where one of the lyrics is, I can make your hands clap, 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 clap. I can make your hands clap, clap. Yeah. And I was like, no, sir. The Fraggles did this nearly 30 (laughs) years ago. You are wrong. You are late to the party. Take a seat. I would dare say that the Fraggle Rock theme song is one of my top three children's theme songs of all time. I haven't quantified them, but I'll buy it. I think you're right. It is in the running for me alongside Rescue Rangers Mm. and DuckTales. As my Ooh, three favorite children's theme songs. I don't know. Darkwing Duck, When There's Trouble You, called oh, DW. Oh, Darkwing Duck is so good, too. Oh. And it reminds me a little bit when we were going through Thriller, which helped me think of the Fraggle Rock, because it has such a, like, bass line that kicks it off. The barrel, 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 So simple, but you certainly remember it. And as a kid, if the show's coming on and you get that barrel, it's that anticipation yeah. that just builds of like, it is Fraggle Rock time. And even like Doc is hammering. He's kind of hammering yes. in beat with the song as you zoom past him and you go down into the hole, down into Fraggle Rock. Right. Yeah, it's really it's good. It's beautiful. Let's stay on music a little bit because you had some thoughts about pipe bangers. Oh, we're just getting right into this. Let's just, okay. let's just get into it. First season, I think it's episode like two or three. Hold on one second. Episode three, Let the Water Run. Mm-hmm. There is a ritual where the pipe bangers come in because the water stopped running. I think it's because, if I remember correctly, Doc is working on the water pipes up in his lab. Yeah, 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 yeah. And somehow the water stops running down to, again, interconnected ecosystem, stops running down into the Fraggle Rock. And so the pipe bangers are going to come and they're going to hit the pipes till the water runs. But they're sort of like a mystic group who does this, right? They're sort of like yeah, a they holy look like, tier um, of fraggles. Wizards and yeah, yes. like soothsayers I, and all sorts I love of love it. Yeah, it's great. So they come in and they do this ritual. Now, Ben, I thought of one song and one song only when that started playing. Do you know what song I thought of? 
It's a property we talked about on this very show. I've been working in the coal mine, working down, down, down. Do you need to re-listen to the song? I'm going to play it right now. Uh, Well, they definitely sound like an amateur stomp troupe. Ben, this is World 6, the ice world of Super Mario Brothers Oh my god, it totally is! As soon as I heard that, I was like, nightmare song, nightmare song. Oh my god. It's very short, but as soon as I heard it, it just locked in that icy memory. I want to back up a little bit, because then it'll help us launch right back to this point in time. Do you have memories out of the gate of Fraggle Rock, the TV show? When I was a kid, I knew this was on HBO because I wanted to watch it, and I didn't have HBO. Oh, so you watched it with like fuzzy scrambling lines through it the whole time? You were trying to get access? (laughs) That would have been very disappointing. No, so we never had it growing up, and... You know, sometimes HBO would have like a free week or a month to try to entice new subscribers to come around. So sometimes when there was a free month or week, I could watch an episode or two. And also a family friend of ours, I think for their kids had recorded the episode. So sometimes my mom would get the VHS tapes and I could watch it. But, you know, a VHS could hold like five or six episodes probably. Wow. You just blew a Gen Z's mind who's listening to this, that there was a physical media of a limitation of roughly five or six episodes of a show. And so occasionally I might get a tape or two. Ah. What I do remember of this show, definitely, obviously, of course, remember the Fraggles. So good. Noble Doozers. I freaking love the Doozers. They're my favorite. I loved all of their structures. It reminded me of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. When the train came and you went into make-believe land and it was like the smaller world in a oh. world just behind the wall, that's what the Doozer realm felt like to me. Well, and as a kid, it's sort of like a creativity of like, you're, it's things you could build as a kid. You go find some bits and bobs and pieces and make bridges and towers just like the Doozers do. It's basically Legos and remote control cars, like because they drive the little yes, buggies around. Right. I'm sorry. Did you just find the two things I love as a child and put them in a television show that's charming? How dare you? How dare you? So, I remember Fraggles eating the Doozer constructions, but I thought it ticked off the Doozers, but it clearly doesn't. They're appreciative of it. It's a, it's symbiotic. And I've remembered the big shaggy creatures, and I forgot what they were called, but I remember the one be like, Fraggles, oh, right. the Fraggles. And he would always jump, exaggerated and comically, to grab the Fraggles down in the hole. I remembered that. Oh, right. He was sort of pounce and like trying to get a hand yeah. down into it. Yeah. Yeah, whoever the actor actors were controlling, particularly the junior puppet, the physical comedy is freaking hilarious because it's so over the top ridiculous. What I completely forgot, but as soon as I heard or saw, it was immediate recall. Marjorie the Trash Heap. So good. Totally forgot she existed. But as soon as she popped up out of the ground, I was like, oh yeah. I remembered all of a sudden, oh yeah, Traveling Matt, the one who would go out into the real right. world. More so, I remembered that industrial music that usually played as he's doing his like sociological uh, oh, exploration. Yeah, right. There's like a very specific music that as soon as I heard that music, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Right. I think those were the main highlights of things that I was like, always in the memory bank or immediately, as soon as I started watching these shows, was like, boom, 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 it all came back to me. How about you? If you think about like a locked trove of memories around a specific property in the 80s, like everything you just listed around Fraggle Rock, yeah, there might be a thread 
or a, a line of breadcrumbs of one thing you remember about that thing, and then if you follow it back, it then will unlock everything. Mm. And for me, those were the McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Oh, yeah. I loved the Fraggle Rock Happy Meal toys. It had every little Fraggle in a different vegetable. Before, obviously, there was a radish. I think Moki might have been in, like, an eggplant or something. I feel like somebody was in a carrot. Carrot sounds very familiar. Yeah. That was sort of my entree. And then, like you, when I came back in, I started listening to the episodes for this episode, when Marjorie the Trash Heap inflates and sings Troubles. Oh my gosh. I got Troubles. I was like, that's so- I got pain. I got whoa, whoa, yes. whoa. It, hearing her sing that song opened up the locked emotions associated with Fraggle Rock. And it was like yeah. a whole discovery thing. Can I say one favorite quote Marjorie has in that episode? Please. This is so funny. She says, The trash heap knows ah. Uh, the trash heap tells ah. Uh, let's face it, boys. The trash heap is ah. Uh, I'm orange peels. I'm coffee grounds. I'm wisdom. Ah, oh, come so on. So good. <laughs> so good. Now, in today's world, you get a pretty hefty fine if you just throw all that in your backyard. But Doc was able to pull it up. Well, that's a good question. Is the trash heap the Gorg's garbage or is it Doc's garbage? Or the Fraggles' garbage. I feel like in the map of this world, the Gorg's garden is completely another realm from Doc's world. Because the Gorg's never have any sense that the humans exist and vice versa. That was a question I had for you because I couldn't find that in my research. And I didn't, to be fair, I didn't watch all 96 episodes to get ready for this episode. But I didn't know if the Gorg's and humans ever interacted. I don't think so. And okay. I think that's intentional. Like the, it's meant to be like the Fraggles are the bridge because really the Doozers almost never, but do mm. interact with anyone other than Fraggles. Oh, yeah, right. There is at least one episode where Doozers and Gorgs do come together. <sighs> wow. It's a good one. It's a doozy, I no. dare say. Oh, boy. <laughs> there it is. Ding, ding, ding. Bingo card. It took this long to get to the bad pun. Holy cow. Another really important, like, blanket question. The Fraggles are all very different. Our main Fraggles. Very different personalities. Before I ask you this question, let me just review for you and our listeners. You've got Gobo, the leader. Moki, artistic, spiritual. Hmm. Red, exuberant, athletic. To your point, kind of irritating sometimes. Boober, superstitious, washes socks, a little nihilistic. Wembley, nervous, indecided, jumpy. And Uncle Traveling Matt. Is there one that is a favorite? for you and why hmm i think i'd have to narrow it down to gobo or moki Mm, okay you know gobo is just a little he's very vanilla right he doesn't stand out in any particular way but i do like the adventurous side of him he's always down for exploring and finding something new i like that aspect of him he is practical which speaks to me but being a creative person i think the moki part also speaks to me, but also she's a little bit flighty and kind of all over the place and often misinterprets things because of her like spiritual, creative, sort of astrological mindset, if you will. I feel like she's a little over the map and that part rubs me the wrong way, but I do appreciate that she's the um, the painter, the creative type. I like that. Well, you sort of co-answered both my questions because my follow-up was going to be, which fraggle is your spirit animal? Okay. Ooh. But I think you, you kind of got to it, but if there's a more of a twist you want to put on it. Overall speaking, I would say more so it would have to be Gobo. Ooh. How about you? Well, I'll go backwards. As far as my spirit animal, I do feel a little connection. It's it's kind of a blend. I like Gobo because I like trying to get people together to like work together and like do a thing. Obviously. That's true. A lot of organizing. 
But uh, honestly, Uncle Traveling Matt. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I love adventure and travel, like, observing, but I don't necessarily understand what I'm observing, but I'm still so, like... <laughs> I'm still so amazed and respectful of like what I'm, I know that I'm observing something special and I just am happy to be a part of it. And I want to tell other people about the stuff. It's an exciting curiosity. Absolutely. I wouldn't have guessed that, but now that you say it, I totally see it. Now, as far as favorite fraggles, I think I also have two surprising curveballs for you. Okay. I love Boober. Okay. I think Boober's design is fun. Like he's just a cool looking puppet. Yeah. But also, I'm just so, because I'm at such a different end of the spectrum, I'm so intrigued by his depression and his worry and his superstition. Mm. It's always like, you know, if all the fraggles are on board with something, Boober always has, like, the other perspective of it, of, like, how we're all going to die. (laughs) And I have a couple Boobers in my life, so I I see the Boober and my heart goes out to Boober because I want to help Boober like I I try and help other people in my life. (laughs) And then, like you, I really like Moki. And Moki strikes me as fascinating because she is this like spiritual, deep, reflective fraggle, but sometimes her advice is totally terrible. Yeah. There was like one episode where Gobo is feeling really lost and alone and he's like trying to figure it out. And she's like, yeah, right. Well, this is a good time for you to be really alone and be away from everybody. And like, none of us will try and help you at all. Don't worry. And I was like, Moki! What are you doing? This is terrible advice. <laughs> but I didn't know if she was doing some reverse psychology. I don't, it's hard to tell how, just how genius Moki is. I don't know. The very last episode of season one, the new trash heap in town, she becomes the new Oracle. Oh, but she I dispenses totally pretty bad advice. The funniest part, though, is Wembley becomes her minion. And he's imitating Philo and Gunge. So he's like, yes. the trash heap is spooked. And then he looks around and he goes, nah, nah. <laughs> and just the way the puppetry is done, it's so funny. And it's just a little detail that you might miss. But the fact that he's trying to imitate Philo and Gunge oh cracks my God. me up. Now, I want to come back to Wembley for a minute. But but Moki, uh, and only for the best of characteristics, there was one of my very best friends in undergrad who always reminded me of Moki. A, because she was way taller than I was. But B, she was always sort of like deep and reflective and always had sort of like trying to find the deeper meaning and reason that everything was going on. I don't know if she was a Fraggle Rock fan or not, but I always pictured her as Moki in my life. Was, was mm. my Moki. But Wembley, I want to go back to Wembley. When we were first trying to think of what are all the 80s properties we're going to put on our 80s high art, you were very excited about getting Wembley on there, but you did not name him. As neither your favorite nor your spirit animal, Fraggle, why did Wembley strike you as needing to be on that artwork? So for the artwork, I had a very specific idea, which is we don't want to go directly down the line. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like if we're going to do Mario Brothers, we needed Princess Peach. We don't put Mario on there. That's too on the nose. Mm -hmm. Same thing with this. I was like, you could have... The main, and I didn't remember any of their names at the time when we thought this, was like, we could have the main Fraggle, but I was like, Wembley just looks, I don't know, like, he he looks kind of like a troll doll, (laughs) and so he kind of had that going for him, but he's wearing the, like, Hawaiian shirt. Oh, yeah. But he was also a kind of different color palette, and so I think that's where I landed on Wembley. Well, there you go. As the co-host who introduced us to the Sweet Treats episode. Mm. How do you feel about Fraggle Rock trying to shove radishes down our throats? Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan of that root vegetable. It's a very boring vegetable. Bitter. I mean, I don't have anything per se against dirt vegetables. <laughs> the good news is they didn't push it down our throats. 
It was just clearly the food economy of this particular world. But it wasn't like, hey, kids, you too can make your own radish candy. Now, speaking of things you do love, I was impressed watching both the the making of documentary and just watching some episodes of Fraggle Rock. The extreme difference in puppet skills that are demonstrated Mm. in Fraggle Rock. At one end of the spectrum, there are so many thrown puppets. Mm. There are so many scenes of a puppeteer just chucking a fraggle across the screen. Sure. You know, when they trip, they fall, they jump, they leap. When Whenever red moves around. Falling into water, there's yeah. a lot of that. Just chucking yeah. them across the camera. I'm surprised how wet a lot of those puppets got. Yeah. They just threw them in the water. I don't know if they had special water puppets, but there were so many that they just chucked yeah. in that water. You're dunking them. There's steam. There's smoke. Yeah. You're chucking. Like, they have eyes that aren't fuzzy. They have parts that are beads or glass. Like... How much work did people have to do after the camera stopped rolling to fix these freaking puppets on the set? Right. But at the other end of the spectrum, what you mentioned, the little remote-controlled cars and the doozers, which have no puppeteers visible anywhere near them but move and talk on their own. It's pretty impressive. The the level of skill that went into creating those at that time, especially— It's brilliant. Like watching it now, I'm still in awe of what they were able to do. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't take 30 takes for them to get the shot that they finally landed on. (laughs) But the fact that they got it was very impressive. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, so I did did find in the documentary, it talked about the technology for the Doozers was actually developed on the set of the Dark Crystal. So thank God Henson took a break from the Dark Crystal and came over and shared some insane engineering. But like there's all these like full-size hand puppets – it's, it's like a not detailed, it's like a mitten on a puppeteer's hand with all these wires running from it to the little tiny doozers. And as the hand swings back and forth, the doozer's head goes left and right and they open the oh, mouth of the cool. mitten and the doozer talks. But there are shots where you've got the fraggles interacting with the doozers and it'll be like a little army of doozers who are walking across a bridge or they're on a little car and the car pushes a bridge and builds it and moving cranes, but no puppeteers visible anywhere. Yeah. The doozers blow my mind. I think they're actually really cool little features. This show is just littered with brilliant little gems of practical effects. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and even the other technical effects are interesting. You know, we talked about Force Perspective, right? The the Was it Traveling Matt? Where you could certainly tell they recorded the gorgs in the background, and then they show the fraggles in the foreground. But they do it in a way that really tries to accentuate the difference of height and size of these creatures. And it's mostly, I think, with the Gorgs and Fraggles. But there's also some where it's like you've got tiny little full figure Fraggles. You see their feet and everything. And they're standing on like the table right next to the giant Gorg. It's pretty impressive how they did those practical effects as well as the not green screen, but we'll call them green screen effects. As the Fraggles are going down the hole, you see the giant Gorg running toward them. It's a little scary, too. It's really well done. It's cool. Now, speaking of which. Jim Henson created a lot of incredible puppets and Muppets throughout his life. You've got, you've got Muppets, you've got Dark Crystal, you've got Fraggles, and then if you really go down the rabbit hole, he's worked on a lot of puppets. He did, his, Jim Henson Studios did the original Ninja Turtles for the movie. Ah. They've made a lot of stuff. In the general Muppet, Puppet, Pantheon, with Sesame Street and all those, where do you feel like Fraggles th- sit in your love of Henson puppetry? Personally? Yeah. Number one. Oh! Number one. Bigger than Kermit. The Muppets are fine. Obviously, they're well-known. And I do truly believe 
A major reason is because you have Sesame Street was on PBS, public broadcast, Mm -hmm. right? You have the Muppets who are on the mainstream network, ABC. And then you have the Fraggles that are on a paid subscription channel, very exclusive, and yet managed to be so beloved despite being so freaking hard to watch, to find. The fact that it has endured so much, and I also will probably talk about contemporary culture, but I think this is one of the reasons we never got a Fraggle movie. Mm. I think if it had reached a greater audience through one of those mainstream channels, I think it would have been way more popular. Oh, yeah. I think it's just this richly interwoven, constructed world that they created for Fraggle Rock that so intrigued me that I found magical and interesting. And maybe it's because of this ethos that they had going into making this show. Again, I, I don't I don't want to disparage the Muppets, but I I think this show is far superior. I don't think I could have said it any better. I think it all sits very similar. I, I love the Muppets. I appreciate what they are for. I don't have anything against the Muppets. But the Fraggles reach sort of like the Wembley on our cover art. The Fraggles are a little off the beaten path, which finds them makes them more intriguing and interesting to me than they're not as mainstream as the Muppets or Sesame Street. Right. Both the depth that the writing tried to go for in life lessons about these interconnected societies that definitely rely on each other to survive, but because of their culture communication can't quite respect that to an important level. Right. That is so deep and so important and such an important foundation, but also at the other direction from foundation, where it tried to reach is to solve world peace to end war yeah and it's just it's creativity with the music that comes through it's my favorite puppety muppety thing out there it's it's fantastic there's so many layers and levels both in the physical world that's been created as well as this other world that we're talking about with those interconnections and the mix of fun mix of morality stories and all that kind of stuff what i also think is very interesting is everyone in this show is a bit delusional okay okay There is a compost heap that thinks it's an oracle. True. There's a family of farmers who think they are royalty. Fact. You have an old man that misses the magical world just beyond his line of sight. Oh, Oh, there's nothing down there, Sprocky, old boy. And he's even kind of delusional because he thinks he's helping Sprocket and usually he's making Sprocket's life a living nightmare. Yeah. The Doozers have a one-track mind without any ego for their creations. The Fraggles live a carefree existence full of naivete. And Matt, as we mentioned, misinterprets the behaviors of the silly creatures in outer space. Everyone's just a bit out of their minds. And that, I think, is what makes it so great. That is a brilliant observation. And I think, I don't know, intentionally or not, it's actually a psychological phenomenon. I can't remember. It's not narcissism, but it's the fact that you think your life is so much more important than it actually is, if that's right, like that you're that everyone's watching you. You know, it's always like what they say about people who are really self-conscious about their actions or what they say. Yeah. That it's like you think you're on a stage and everyone's watching, but actually no one really is. Like, don't worry about it. And right, these like delusions of grandeur or this like focus on themselves, despite that, using it as a vehicle to teach about the human experience and our world is brilliant. If you think about it from a kid's perspective, what they've basically done is they've taken what's very unfamiliar and they've made that the norm. You're in this cave with these creatures who are very different. There's doozers, there's this, there's that. And then it takes the familiar with Traveling Matt and the doc and makes it fantastical. So it kind of flips the script a little bit where it's like the magical seems is presented in this very normal place 
And somehow you find the magic in the otherworldliness of our everyday life. Yeah. Of, you know, just walking out our front door. And I think that, again, it's, it's very understated, but I felt like that was something that really created some of that magic of the show. Look, there are many tunnels throughout Fraggle Rock, and so we're tackling why the Fraggles are the best. But down another tunnel, what else do you want to what do you want to hit on here in chemistry class about Fraggle Rock? Again, kind of talking to these interconnections, I watched maybe mm, fifteen to twenty episodes. I, I sort of lost count, and I wanted that was to pretty see good research. That was good. I wanted to kind of grab from different seasons. So I got all the way from season one to season five. And what I found myself drawn to are the ones where there are more interactions. There's one episode where you actually get to go into the inner sanctum of the doozers and you get to see their world. Oh, right. Okay. Did you meet Cotterpin? Doozer, she doesn't want to build. She's like a daydreamer in a drawer. Exactly. And they're like, take your test and earn your hat. And it ends up that she's an architect. And she talks to the main architect who's devising all of the schemes and the plans for the Doozers. And so that was like a really cute episode. There's one where Uncle Matt comes back home in season two. And he and Gobo fight. What? Yeah, you think they're going to have this great reunion and it just slowly unwinds. And what you realize is they've both grown into different fraggles, but they're treating each other like they used to be. Whoa. Matt's treating him like a kid and he's trying to be an adult and like, you're not respecting me. It was really interesting. That's cool. That's cool. There's a great radish famine is a great episode (gasps) where this is where Marjorie takes all the radishes away to teach all the groups a lesson that they have to come together. And this is where you get a meeting of Fraggles, Doozers, and Gorgs at the exact same time. Oh. A pretty late season episode is The River of Life, where Doc makes a deal for $100,000, which... At that time, lots of money. Yeah, but once you hear what the deal is for, you're going to be like, Doc got schemed. Oh, no. To dump industrial waste into the caves. Wait, so Doc took $100,000 so someone else could dump waste into the caves? Yes. Doc, you monster. This is dark. And at one point he's like, if there's ever a shred of evidence that anything is living down there, I'll call off the deal immediately. But like the fraggles get sick and start passing out. Oh my God. And then all of the radishes in the Gorg's garden wither because the water is poisoned and the doozers can't build. And it just like the whole ecosystem is destroyed. And finally, I think Sprocket ends up saving the day. But again, another great example of the interconnectedness. It's just a perfect example of like, again, what they were trying to talk about then and still goes on today of like, just because you don't perceive that there's life in an area or you don't perceive a natural area to be important doesn't mean that it's not. You can't just go dumping your stuff for a quick buck somewhere. There's all those great lessons there. Just a couple more that I thought was so great. There's another one in season five where Junior shrinks down to the size of a fraggle, and he actually goes into the fraggle world. empathy experience. And he has to learn and understand the radish connection between all three of the groups because he's going to become king. Oh, yeah. The heir apparent prince, yes. Heir apparent. So this is like third to last episode. You talked about poets in this. Yes. One of my favorites is the king is like, talking about my kingdom, the evermost limits of forever. It's a pretty good paw impression, I'm not going to lie. And then he says, you don't have to understand the universe, Junior. You have to rule it. 
Oh, and, God. Yeah. Very. <laughs> very Pogorg. But anyway, Junior learns what it means to be humble and understand the universe, not just to rule it. He sees how they're all, all the groups are interconnected. And so it's a great little, cool little lesson. So and, there's some hope if they were true, if the Gorgs truly were royalty, that Junior might be a better ruler than his, his father. I think so. I think he he's open to the lessons despite him being often the main antagonist. It's great setting up traps for Fraggles left and right. I do want to end with one last episode that I thought oh, was yeah. the most freaking magical <gasps> of them all. Episode 109, The Lost Treasure of the Fraggles. Ooh. In this one, Red and Gobo find a treasure map and they're going to hunt down this treasure of the Fraggles, their people, and they find out it's in the Gorg's castle. <gasps> And they have to sneak in at night. They get in there. They have to move this rock on the mantle. They grab this box. They take it back down into the Fraggle Cave. And they open it. And it's a music box. Oh, of course it is. And it starts playing music. And you see this moment where I was expecting them to be like, oh, man. Because the whole time they're like, there's going to be jewels and treasures. We're going to be rich. We're going to be, you know, all these great things will come to us. And they open this thing. And they're freaking mesmerized. It's a song! The ancient treasure of the Fraggles is a song. It's a wonderful treasure! Hey, come on. We've got to share this with everyone. And so they take it into the main hall and they're playing the music and it's night. So all the fraggles start waking up and they all come into the main hall and they start singing with it. And Red is like, you know what, Gobo, we are rich. And I was like, oh my god, this is beautiful. You're right, Gobo, we are rich. Then you don't mind not getting the diamonds? They would have made nice skipping stones, but this is a lot better. That was just, I think, one of the most magical freaking episodes and a true testament to why I think this show far exceeds any of the greatness that the Muppets were ever able to achieve. Whoa. Crystalline radish mic drop. <laughs> I am, I'm looking around at the army of doozers that has formed around me and they're they are drying tiny little beady black eyes. Oh my gosh. But they're out of room in chemistry class. And one has just slipped me a note that said, you and I either need to start eating their structures. Okay. Or we have to bring them with us to another room, AKA contemporary culture, (laughs) so that they have room to keep building. I mean, far be it for me to keep a doozer from their work. Let's go ahead and start chowing down on some of these doozer sticks. Give them a little more space. Fill up our stomachs. I don't know. Maybe we'll get second lunch down at the lunchroom. I don't know. Beautiful. McDonald's presents... Great news, Fraggles! Greater than a one Fraggle ping pong game? Greater than laundry? Tell me, Gobo. No, let me guess. No, tell me! Ah! It says... 
kids get one of four Fraggle Rock toys when their parents buy them a McDonald's Happy Meal featuring Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. There's Red Fraggle in a radish, Gobo in a carrot, Moki in an eggplant, or Boober and Wembley in a pickle. I think I'll capture that news in something arty. But first, let's party! Hooray! <laughs> All right, we're in contemporary culture, and if you are listening to... This episode of 80s High, and you're thinking, oh, this is so great. I haven't seen the Fraggle since the 80s. I'm so excited they're bringing that back. Then you, listener, have not been paying attention. Mm. Because boy, oh boy, have there been some Fraggles between the 80s and now. And so for contemporary culture and my research, I really just focused on modern incarnations of the Fraggles. But I'm sure there's a lot we can get into that like the Fraggles inspired that had nothing to do with the Fraggles. Sure. But just to kick this off, I'm going to start going down the line of where the Fraggles went after the 80s. Lay it on us. So I talked about the Muppet Christmas special, which is delightful. But my other beloved Christmas movie every year I have to watch is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Right. And in 1992, in that movie, the puppets for Sprocket, Baguni, Mudwell the Mud Bunny, Murray the Minstrel, Aretha, Wander McMooch, Brule the Minstrel, and the Ink Spots make cameo appearances. You recognize Sprocket, at least, in all of that. Yeah. Do you like that one? Is that a good Christmas special? I'm going to blow your mind. Never saw it. Ooh, this holiday season. We're going to get you tis. in. It's going to be good. Tis, tis. But then I see kind of a large gap there. It wasn't until September 2005, a live action feature film was announced, with at one yeah. point, Joseph Gordon-Levitt attached to star in it. Indeed. But as many things that fell to the wayside that could have been beautiful and wonderful... When Disney bought Fox in March of 2019, they killed a lot of beautiful projects that Fox was working on, just like they did when they bought LucasArts. Disney acquiring things is, I just want to put it out there, not a good thing for most of us as far as creativity and things that can come out. It's problematic. And they they killed it. But this is sort of around the time, maybe a little bit earlier, when uh, Jason Siegel was bringing back the Muppets. That's right. I kind of wish this had happened, but it's not. The chance is not over. Yeah. Five years later, 2010, Arakia Studios Press published a three-issue comic book series of Fraggle Rock. A uh, second three-issue series was followed the next year, January 2011. So you can find those in hardcover if you can dig. They're rare collector's items. Go look for it. Hmm. Oh, I love this. I saw this. This is great. The next year, 2012, I got to admit, I was and still am very happy when it comes on. Was always a big Ben Folds fan. Yeah. I always liked Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5. Sure. And in 12, uh, he came out with the song, Do It Anyway. And it's all about the Fraggles. All the Fraggles are in it. Did Mm. you get to watch this music video by chance? You know, I didn't. I was so busy watching these episodes. I didn't take the time to stop and watch this video. It is high quality. It is super charming. It's not like the Fraggles show up. It is about the Fraggles. Do they speak? Is it the Um, original voice actors or anything? Or is it more just them and antics and running around? It's them and antics. Traveling Matt is reporting on what happens in a recording studio. Interesting. Rob Cordry's at the mix board. He's in charge. Okay. Basically, the sound of the band starts to like shake Fraggle Rock, and it opens up a hole, and they climb up Ben Fold's microphone on his piano, but they all end up sort of joining the band and singing and performing the different, you know, the Fraggles along with them, all leading to a delightful epilogue where Rob Cordery, Anna Kendrick, who's also in the studio, Chris Hardwick, all of Ben Folds, they all get together and they sing the Fraggle Rock theme song. And you can just tell these adults who are just slightly older than you and I, these stars of it, when they down at Fraggle Rock, cheer like their childhood dreams have just come true, getting to sing the Fraggle uh, Rock Because they song. just did come true. Because it's, it's, so, it's amazing. It's so delightful. 
The same year, DHX Media and Jim Henson Company announced a computer-animated spin-off to Fraggle Rock titled The Doozers. Targeted children between ages four and seven, focused on a bunch of, like, kid doozers who, like, solve problems. And it aired on Hulu in the spring of 2014. I actually watched a couple episodes of this for in preparation. And? It's sort of your run-of-the-mill kids computer-generated animated shows, like... I can't say it stuck out to me. I wasn't like, oh, my kids are going to have to watch The Doozer someday. They're going to have to watch Fraggle Rock. But it's sort of your run-of-the-mill, youth-solving problems in a community sort of thing. It was fine. Okay. It was fine. I will say, I feel like the magic of the show is in the practical effects and the puppetry. Yes. I think that's why the animated series didn't work. I think that's why this Doozer show is like, eh. And it sounds like it's a more limited scope of a show to begin with. But I think there's something to be said about the puppet medium. It works well. Like Avatar The Last Airbender, for the love of everything holy, stop trying to make a live action avatar. It belongs in the animated world. This show belongs in the freaking puppet world. It just does. Yeah, absolutely. It works there. Now, of all the topics you and I have covered on 80s High, I don't think any topic, any pop culture icon has gotten more relevant to our time now than Fraggle Rock has pulled off. Did you read about Fraggle Rock Rock On? I believe so. Are these like little short episodes? They are shorts that started in April 21st of 2020. Okay. It's like live action. It looks like it's the original show, but the Fraggles inhabit a world with coronavirus and the fraggles have chosen to social distance from one another and everyone else they're staying in their own little room in fraggle rock and the doozers have invented a video chat system called the doozer tubes and so the fraggles are talking to each other and doing life lessons and encouraging each other and helping each other stand strong and entertaining there's plenty of original music and songs but then they also have live guests come on to sing with them. And this was like a big thing last year. I haven't seen as much of it this year, but where like celebrities did a lot of like YouTube specials and Zoom specials and things like that because everyone was right. everyone was or like reunion shows like the cast of Parks and Rec got together. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is sort of yeah. like the pre-vaccination time. So like everyone was right. really staying apart. So they had um Alanis Morissette on, they had Common, they had Jason Mraz, Neil Patrick Harris, Tiffany Haddish, and even one of my faves, Ziggy Marley on for all these like fun little segments to like talk with each other but it was all about how to keep your friendship strong through the pandemic and social distancing i was not able to watch any of these because they're all on apple tv and the only thing anybody consumes on apple's products is 80s high uh and i'm i'm not sure this and and ted lasso it's us and ted lasso that's the only thing anyone ever watches on apple so i couldn't watch any there was like a highlight of the whole series of like here's two minutes of the best things that happened but did you catch any of the rock on thing i didn't this concept i appreciate what they're trying to do and the messages that people are trying to convey they just feel very less than yeah, it's not a whole Like, they don't series. feel like a real thing. Like, I, yeah. I don't think I would seek these out. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, they're very time-stamped and they're not relevant in the near future. Yes. Uh, knock wood. But I feel like I just don't know that they will have relevance beyond that, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. It, and it's not really Fraggle Rock, right? We're not talking about right. the balance between different miscommunicating races or groups, as, the, as yeah. Henson phrased it. 
but it's still communicating some important messages through the Fraggles' normal, like, personalities of, like, Boober's really, like, worried and scared of everything, and everyone's cheering him up, and Red's trying to keep everything right. together, and uh, Moki's getting really spiritual and deep and reflective about it all. Like, yeah. they're still good from it. It's just a very different flavor of Fraggle Rock. For sure, for sure. Well, if you didn't like that, then strap in, because Apple TV ordered a whole rebirth of the Fraggle Rock series after this Rock On did so well on Apple TV. So we're going to see Fraggle Rock... Again, at some point, they started production. Now, is this a true show? It says it's a whole TV series they're starting. Okay. All right. Send around the original cast members. It started production this January. So who knows when we're going to see it? I mean, we are living in the age of reboots, revivals, redos, re-returns, all that good stuff. But it kind of reminds me of your friends who got like, who like recorded off HBO and then you eventually got them. Yeah. I know very few people who have Apple TV, so I'm going to have to wait for those few friends who can, like, record it and then send me the recording, the dubbed. Or you just cancel one subscription service, you pick up Apple right. for a month, you binge, and then you switch around. I mean, that's that's the modern world we live in. There's so many services now, you just have to – it's a game of shuffling around. That makes me feel better that you said that, that it's not just me, because I will only subscribe to HBO for a month a year, and then I'll just consume everything, and then I'll just drop yeah. it. I think it's smart. It's very economical. It's very economic because you just you don't, you don't need HBO. If you think you're the year. only person doing that, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, really. I mean, you might regret it for a different reason. Uh, but, uh. <laughs> um, so those are at least the the reincarnations of Fraggle Rock that I saw after the '80s. Yeah. Are there others or like bigger picture things that you feel like Fraggle Rock has influenced? So I don't really have a lot here. The things I wanted to talk about, we've already mentioned. I'll just say, and I know this is definitely a spiritual successor, probably more of Sesame Street and the Muppets, but I always think of Avenue Q, the musical. Oh my God, yes! About the uh, puppets with very adult themes. And I know a lot of the, the characters and the kind of the structure of it does follow much more closely to Sesame Street, honestly, than even the Muppets. But I just feel like in general, all of these puppet shows in some way were a kind of inspiration for Avenue Q to come into existence. Oh yeah, Avenue Q is a great shout out. I mean, these are all very musical. They're all very life lesson-y. And that's sort of the joke and the the theme of Avenue Q, right? It's about finding your purpose and all that kind of stuff. But they do it in a very raunchy, tongue-in-cheek way. Again, I can't say there's any element that is like, oh, that's a fraggle. That's a gorg or whatever. That's the making fun of a doozer there. But puppet shows, music, themes, lessons, all kind of fits. You reminded me, and I don't know if it's like if it's taking inspiration from Avenue Q or if it's from Fraggles, but as far as like more adult or deeper theme puppet, there was a few years ago, there was a movie, uh, like 2018, The Happy Time Murders with Melissa mm. McCarthy. Like a very adult puppet movie where it's like Melissa McCarthy is teamed up with a puppet and it's like very dirty just for adults, like Avenue Q. Huh. And they're like solving crimes okay. together. But yeah, I, I agreed it was hard to like draw a clear line between Fraggle Rock to other stuff beyond it. But I think obviously there was technology developed for the Dark Crystal that made the Doozers possible. And I'm sure right. that tech went on to other puppet shows and other movies, things like that. I think one last thing I loved that came out of the Fraggles was something that you read on a different episode. I was trying to remember the topic and I couldn't. But after the series of Fraggle Rock ended, there was a special that came out afterwards called The Fraggles Look for Jobs. Hmm. And it was sort of like the post credits that happen in like Sandlot or Stand By Me, where it goes through like each person what happened when they grew up and like yeah. how they did. And so they did this with Fraggle Rock. And it's all about like the Fraggles who look for work after Fraggle Rock. So let's see how you do. What kind of job do you think 
Gobo found. Something very practical. He's like an accountant or something like that. Shockingly, he secures a singing job billed as Gobo the Frosty Fraggle. I don't buy it, but okay. Wembley. What's Wembley find work in? Oh, sweet thing. He works in like fast food. (laughs) You're close. Wembley's not really sure what he wants to do with his life yet, so he just pledges that he's going to stop wearing banana tree t-shirts. Oh, Wembley. That's all he's figured out so far. Go back on your true self, buddy. Wear it with pride. I feel the next few of these, you can, you've got these. Moki. I think she's going to be a painter. Like she's going to move to somewhere like um, Sedona, Arizona, where it's very new agey. People believe in like crystals and tarot and stuff like that. So I feel like she would fit in there. She'd be an artist and just, yeah, be very creative in her element. So Moki is working on her screenplay called Girls of the 60s. (laughs) Okay. That's what she's working on in that special. So she's writing about silly creatures? Writing about silly creatures 20 years prior. Sure. Okay. Moki found a rabbit hole. She went down it. I think some people were snorting radish dust when they wrote this Where Are They Now segment. Now, I want to remind you, all of the puppet segments were filmed on a soundstage in Canada. Okay. What is Red doing? Ooh, Canada. Okay. Red works at a Tim Hortons. She also plays hockey for the Canucks. And oh, am I, am I close? You're so close. Does she play hockey? Yes. Uh, Canadians? No. Oilers? No. I forget all the other ones. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs! Yes, yes, yes. She's playing for the Toronto Maple Not in the Tim Hortons, but she might go get a snack there afterwards. I'm shocked I came up with two or three. It's pretty good. It's pretty hockey good. Hockey teams, yeah. Uh, last but not least, Boober. I want to say that he runs a laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> Just for socks. That makes sense. Um, Boober's the most meta of the Fraggles. Boober somehow realizes that he was an actor in Fraggle Rock. So he's on the phone looking for another acting job, and he, he's really trying to find one where he can be the romantic lead. As I said, a lot of radish dust being so much radish snorted dust. Snorted through doozer sticks on people's <laughs> nose. And they're like, oh, where are they now, man? Okay, you know what? That's fun. I love it all. <laughs> so good. I, I don't buy I don't buy 70% of right, those, but red, that's okay. Red that's is fine. on point. I get the screenplay. I can kind of see that. They're all over the place. Okay, Ben, I think we're at the end of class here in contemporary culture. What do you say we run past the Gorg's garden, hope that Junior doesn't grab us, we make our way to the tree so that Marjorie can help us come up with a final ruling on this show? What do you say? There is no one wiser in all of Fraggle Rock to help us figure this out. Uh, Marjorie is definitely the one to go. Let's go get her. Follow me, boys. We'll find out the answer. <laughs> I see trouble, I see pain, I see whoa, whoa, whoa. I got grabbed by Junior, but thank God you kicked him in the toe and he dropped me. So did you watch the episode with Geraldine, the giant radish? No. So this is the great radish caper. It's another great episode where Junior is growing this radish that is his best friend. Her name is Geraldine. Okay. He's like, oh, Geraldine, I love you. And he's talking to her. Well, they want to, the fraggles steal the radish. And then he's sad because his best friend is gone. So Moki tries to help him find a new friend, but can't. And so she goes back down and convinces Boober not to cook the radish and bring back Geraldine. Aw, that's so sweet. But he's writing a little letter to her, uh, Junior. And my favorite, this is how you know poets were involved. It, the letter starts off, hark, 
and forsooth. Oh my! I thought that forsooth. was hilarious. Hawk and forsooth. forsooth. It was so freaking hilarious. Anyway, all to say, we distracted him. I dropped Geraldine. Huge. He Huge freaked move. out. Threw you to the ground, went to save her, and we ran past. I'm to very impressed. Thank you for saving my life from Junior. Oh my god, hey, there's so much left. Fraggle's to gonna do what a Fraggle's gonna Fraggle's do. Fraggle's gonna do. As we get into math class and see how Fraggle Rock holds up today, I do want to point out that in 1983, pretty much fresh out of the gate when Fraggle Rock debuted, it did win an Emmy for Outstanding Program for Children and Young People. Okay, so it does have one little shiny badge on it. To be recognized. I feel like it's underserved, much like Pat Benatar not getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. But you know what? We're going to hope there's some karmic retribution down the road. Where's the Puppet Hall of Fame and where do the Fraggles sit within it? At the tippy top. At the tippity top. Indeed. So with that little nugget just up front, we are standing in front of Marjorie, who's going to hear us out. How do you present your case to Marjorie the Trash Heap on whether Fraggle Rock holds up or not? I got three words for you, boys. Charm, charm, charm. <laughs> oh, it's true. Charm, charm, charm is the name of this show. From the outset with the banger song, that killer uh, bass line that goes into the guitar, that goes into the singing, to the clapping, to the all the things. And then you get into the characters. You have the variety of settings. It's a complete world. There's so much going on. There's the complexity of layers. What I love about this show is it didn't talk down to kids mm -hmm. or middle-aged somebodies like you know who. I love that it made the ordinary feel new. And I love that it made the extraordinary seem commonplace. Mm. And yet all of it was magical. Despite my few little gripes, which I mostly chalk up to personal taste and being an adult, right? Some of the themes are a little like heavy handed. Some of the songs weren't really good mm -hmm. or like the, mm -hmm. the pitch of the characters was kind of out of their range or just didn't. It wasn't a, a, a killer song. It was a B-side, let's say. The B-sides. Good. But those few little gripes aside, I love that a kid's show was created to change the world. Yeah. And to show us how we are all interconnected and depend on each other to survive and thrive. A lesson I would say clearly is no less relevant today than it was back in the 80s. <laughs> am I right? Can we get a Fraggle Amen? All I want to say is thank you to everyone who created this show. As we learned in the last episode, we cannot leave the magic you created. Thank you. Ooh. I'm not sure I can say it any better. Marjorie, I would just do ditto, but I know that's not going to get me through class, so I've got to spice it up a little bit. Listen, silly creatures, speak from your heart. The truth will follow. That's so good. See, look at that. It is so creative. It is so unique in its execution and its storytelling. It is such an impressive conglomeration of artists. You've got the engineers who figured out the doozers. You've got musicians. You've got poets. And you've got the actors who play it, and you've got the people who made the Fraggles, just the right. creativity into that. It's such a wonderful world of art. I totally agree with you that, like, while it has one of the very best theme songs, I think, of all children's television programming in history, not every song holds up, but if you're writing two, three songs per episode for 96 episodes, not every one is going to be a super hit. I get it. True. That's okay. Yeah. I'll let it slide. And I think watching it today, maybe as you're just a... An adult like us who want to walk through it, or you're a parent who want to expose your children to it, all of the messages are incredibly relative. Certainly some of the human parts mm. get a little dated with what Matt's going out and seeing and exploring. Sure. But man, through so much of like the division and challenges we as a human society have faced 
in recent years. It is like right on the nose. A lot of the iterations that came after the show itself, I can't say are popular or hold up or great. To your point of like Rock On not being a real fraggle experience Mm. or some of the other attempts. It's a nice little fun thing to see him pop up in other Muppet properties. But otherwise, I've never been a part of a team building workshop or a leadership program or a goal setting program that didn't always advise people to shoot way beyond their goal is to have a, you know, Mm. there's your goal, the thing you're thinking of, but like, what is the vision beyond that? Why do you want to do the thing you want to do? What is your make the world a better place? And so for Fraggle Rock to be starting at make world peace and stop war, you know, if they didn't hit that, what they hit on the way there is incredible. It is so good Mm. and holds up so well. So Fraggle Rock, math class, a plus, still a wonderful property, absolutely worth revisiting, and I will always be down for going down to Fraggle Rock. Hark and forsooth. Hark and forsooth. Which brings us to mm. the end credits where you go through who did the music and the art, and then people kind of tune out and they go on with their day. No! There's one more, our own epilogue, not about what jobs we get after 80s high. But what do our listeners have to look forward to on our next episode? Well, Ben, we are approaching, believe it or not, the season of Thanksgiving (gasps) here in the U.S., where we take a moment to reflect on the gratitude we have for the important people in our lives. The attitude of gratitude. And occasionally stew silently between mouthfuls of mashed potatoes and heated family conversations. (laughs) Despite all that, we just want to reconnect with our people. Yes. Right? Yes. And we all know that part of that reunion is the journey to get there. One that can sometimes be fraught with crowds, delays, jams, detours, or fighting for that precious armrest that belongs to you and you alone. Okay. Next time on 80s High Ben, I'm going to join our friends Neil Page and Del Griffith on their madcap journey to get home for the holidays by any means (gasps) necessary be it planes, be it trains, or be, be it automobiles. automobiles. The, the one and only Thanksgiving movie that was ever made ever. This is great. It's rare to find a holiday movie about Thanksgiving, Ben, but fortunately you are correct. The 80s brought us just what we needed. Next time on 80s High, the Steve Martin, John Candy, classic movie, Planes, Trains, oh, and Automobiles. Perfect, 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 perfect. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical. Stay radical.